Last week, we talked about connecting your stories and your vision. This week, we're diving into how to retain volunteers and donors the right way. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple of pivots into for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Welcome back to the podcast. We are going to be diving into an important topic today. We understand that while you want to always gain new volunteers, new donors, new people into your organization, it's extremely important to retain the ones that you currently have. Uh, This is going to be a really fun one, talking about retention. Lisa, are you ready? I'm so ready. Awesome. So first of all, Lisa, why don't you tell us a little bit of why it's important to retain the people that have come into your organization. So often as a nonprofit leader, you are thinking about the people who are going to be experiencing your organization for the first time, either as a volunteer, a potential future leader, maybe a potential future board member, um, or someone who is going to contribute financially to your organization. And oftentimes there's this attitude with nonprofits that we see where it's like, okay, the hard part was getting someone, and now that they're here, I'm good. I can go on looking for the next person. And what's interesting is in the business world, um, business owners are very aware of the fact that it costs way more money to bring in a new client than it is to just keep working with their same clients. If they can keep their clients happy and keep them buying from them and create that loyalty, like businesses understand this. And same with their employees too. It costs way more to train a new employee, a new staff member than it does to keep a currently great staff member. Yeah. And people, you know, they understand this. They understand if they hire a new employee, they're looking at six to 12 to 24 months before they ever really have a functioning staff member who is contributing more than they're taking mm-hmm. as an employee. Um, and yet sometimes as nonprofits, we get so focused on we have to find the next, we have to find the next, we have to find the next, that we forget about the people that we currently have. And so what happens is we end up losing people from the organization. We see this a lot with different um, nonprofits that we've worked with where you know sometimes have a good front end of the funnel but just as many people are coming in, they're having that many people leave. Um, And that's not necessarily a sign. Actually, I'd say that's an unhealthy organization. That is a good indicator that something is wrong in the middle if you're having to constantly go out and scout for the next person and you just have this train of people leaving your organization day in and day out. And we understand that there's a certain amount of turnover that's gonna happen. Yeah, there's healthy turnover, which Mm -hmm. is attrition through people moving to different areas of life, moving away, going to college, you know, doing, uh, you know, maybe starting their own cause that they're Mm -hmm. working toward. Like those are like healthy reasons. But uh, a lot of times there is unhealthy attrition as well. And the trick is seeing the difference, you know, not just saying like, oh, no, it's good that that person left because blank. Sometimes we have to look at and say, all right, should we have retained that person rather than just been cool with them leaving? Right. What are your trend lines and what are they telling you? When we say understand your measurable impact, you also need to know as a leader what your measures are for your organization as a whole. 
-hmm. How many people are you reaching? If you're doing some sort of advertising, I hope you know how many people you're reaching and how effective it is. But just like you need to know who you're reaching, you need to know who you are keeping. Um, so if you have a leader that on your team, and it seems like every month they're losing a volunteer, they're losing a volunteer, they're losing a volunteer, you need to ask, is that healthy, normal attrition? Or is that an indicator that something is wrong with that team? Um, is it a leadership issue? Because oftentimes when you see a leader where people just keep leaving and they never say why, but they're like, oh, it just wasn't a good fit. Something wasn't a good <laughs> fit. And sometimes it's a personality thing. Sometimes it's a leadership style. Sometimes it's just the role. But we need to know what those things are. Mm -hmm. And we need to have a good pulse on exactly why people are leaving uh, and the turnover is happening. Yeah. So as a nonprofit leader, I want to ask you, think about the last three people who have left your organization. I know this is like depressing moment by Lisa. Um, but just think through the last three people who have stepped away or transitioned or whatever. Do you know why they made the change that they made? Actually, why? Not, Actually, not like why? their, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings answer, but the real reasons. But the answer that comes after you ask the real question do you know why? And that right there, whatever your answer is, is vitally important. Mm -hmm. Like if you know what it is, then you know things that you can change. If you don't know what it is, then that is the thing that you need to change. And it's important we don't define ourselves and our self-worth and our ability to retain people. We're all learning. We're all growing. And there are going to be seasons where we're not great at retaining people and there are going to be seasons where we're better at it and we're growing. So it's important to not say like, oh my gosh, I'm such a terrible person. I'm such a terrible leader because oh, yeah. this happened. But it is important to look at to say, how can I improve? Because it's important to constantly be growing and improving in our legacy flywheel. Personal growth is so important as mm -hmm. a leader. People need to see that you are on a track of becoming a better leader. And so it's important to, one, not let it tear you down and not let it control and ruin your life when people uh, leave your organization. But it's also really important to say it's still an important thing for me to improve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is a huge um, thing where you have to know what's going on, but we cannot have our businesses or our nonprofits define our worth as individuals. Yep. As a, as a wise person once told me, it's a tension to manage. It's not a problem to solve. Yes. There are going to be people who leave the organization um, and you're going to be hurt by it sometimes. There's no way to solve that problem. People are going to leave sometimes and it's going to hurt sometimes. There's no way to solve that problem. But what you do need to do is figure out how do I not internalize it in a way that kills me? But how do I also still say, what can we change? What mm -hmm. can we make better? How can you walk that line and manage that tension? And it's not comfortable. Um, we've been through this a lot. Oh, yeah. It stinks. <laughs> it's just not comfortable. But let's talk a little bit about what we can do retention-wise um, on our teams and with our leaders. So, Ted, why don't you kick us well, off? Well, first of all, the number one reason people stick around in a volunteer setting is the relationships that they're forming. 
It is the number one reason. Think about it for yourself. Anytime that you volunteered somewhere, if you build a few friendships, relationships, you know that when you show up to volunteer, you're going to see other people that you know, that you, uh, you're, you're excited to get to rub elbows with, you get to talk to them, maybe even learn from them. Maybe you're, maybe you're building some relationships with some really high powered people. And it's like, oh my gosh, every time I go to volunteer, these people are awesome and they make me a better person. Those relationships are probably going to keep you through any kind of hard stuff that might come with the volunteer uh, opportunity, right? So, like, especially if the volunteer opportunity is a tough one. Like, like let's say you're, you know, going out and you're, like, cleaning uh, animals that have been covered in oil from an oil spill, right? <laughs> That's a tough and very dirty job. Mm-hmm. But there's something that keeps people coming back to it. And it's, unfortunately, it's not the vision that will keep people coming back to it because... They might just find a different organization to go do that same thing with. The relationships is what's going to keep people coming back specifically to your organization. Mm -hmm. And so we need to, first of all, be thinking really clearly about what are the relationships that I'm helping people to foster? How am I personally owning the the, the role as a leader to help those relationships grow and become stronger? Um, And... What am I keeping an eye out for when like relationships are being deteriorated? Mm-hmm. That's super important because you're so right. Like people do things based on the relationships that they have. Um, but as and, leaders, and they don't do things based on the awkwardness yes. of having to form new relationships or deal with awkward relationship it's problems. True. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, you need to be aware of what's going on within your organization. And these can be people that you lead directly. Um, it's also for the people who your leaders are leading. Um, at that point, we need to be asking the question, how are they forming relationships among themselves with that leader and with the organization as a whole? Um, because if they are only connected to one or two people, if those one or two people end up stepping away, we've talked about natural attrition, um, chances are those other volunteers are going to follow them. Because mm-hmm. so, they're just like, I don't know anybody here. Mm-hmm. I don't and then know they anyone start thinking, else. like, do I actually care about the way that this specific organization does this? Or can I go find another one that's similar? Mm-hmm. And it's just this thing that we need to be aware of. And I'm going to speak for myself. Um, I have a very small, small, small need for people in my life. <laughs> like, I'm good, which is a couple people. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm very good with just a couple people. And there was a long time where I would have a leader on my team and they'd be super social and outgoing because I knew this is something that I need to bring someone around me who can help be the heart of my team because I knew for myself um, how many how many relationships I could really handle. But if I wasn't careful in those moments, people would get attached to that person versus the organization as a whole. And so I had to be conscious in those relationships to sh- still show that I cared, um, still engage with people, but then also connect them not just to me, not just to the other leader, but actually connect them to what the organization as a whole was doing so that if one week I couldn't answer my phone or I was out of town or something, they still felt like they were a part of something bigger because their connection wasn't solely reliant on me. Um, and. For someone who is incredibly introverted, who would be pretty much fine being a hermit, um, <laughs> like I, I could do that. What I learned over time was how to communicate with people in a way that wasn't super exhausting for me. 
Um, And even if it was exhausting, not telling people I was exhausted by them. Hmm. Um, I've heard leaders say things like, oh, I really don't need other people. Um, I'm full. My relationships are kind of taken, you know, because it's a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get depleted. So I'm going to tell you up front, I don't have space to give myself permission to not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I will still tell Ted sometimes when we leave. a place i'll be like man i'm exhausted i don't want to talk to more people i need to get home i need a nap Um, i need you to take the kids for (laughs) seven hours i need time by myself this is what i need right now but when i was leading i was very conscious to never say that kind of stuff because i never wanted my volunteers to think that they were a nuisance to me and then to think that they were a nuisance to the organization. Yep. Um, I remember after a few years, I practiced this. I got very intentional with it. I went out of my way. When I had the energy, I used that energy to really engage with people. That way, if I didn't have the energy one time and I didn't engage, they, they just had more grace on me. Um, but I remember one day in particular, someone stopped me and they're like, oh my gosh, Lisa, you are one of the most outgoing people I know. (laughs) And I laughed. I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, you're always talking to people. You're smiling. You go from group to group. You have all these conversations. And I was like, no, what am I like? But it was something that I chose to put the how much I valued the people and how much I wanted them to understand what they were doing and how much it mattered. I wanted that to be the priority and not my own comfort. Right. Now, it's and not to say don't burn yourself out, but right. be strategic in how you're handling those relationships. Yeah, and knowing that, knowing what amount of energy it's going to take for. I mean, like, think, think about like a marathon runner. They know that they need to rest a certain amount. They need to practice a certain amount. They need to carbo load or whatever they do nowadays, eat protein <laughs> bars or whatever. They, they, they know exactly how much energy they're going to deplete. And so they're making sure that they're putting that much energy in as well. So just know what it's going to take for you to do that. But that is the responsibility of leadership is saying, what does this team need? How am I going to help fill that void, whether it's from me making uh, uh, an investment of my energy or am I going to sacrifice some comfort to have a few maybe hard conversations, to have a few uh, conversations where you're asking people to to like step up and, mm-hmm. and, and do more and and vision cast and all that stuff. Like all these things take energy, but you're going to have to make some sort of investment of either discomfort or energy in order to make things move forward. Mm-hmm. But back to retention. So um, in that situation, you recognize that people were going to need connection. They were mm-hmm. going to need connection or to want to stick around uh, yep. for the long term. And uh, now you said that you were you were working on just kind of like as the leader of that of that team being that connecting node. But how did you approach that in a way that didn't just make them only connected to you? Yeah, you said you wanted to connect them to the organization as a whole. How did you do that? Yep. So when I was working with people, um, at one point I was leading a team that I knew I would be over for a season. A season, I think it was like a couple of years, but I knew it wasn't going to be like this is my forever, you know. And that's right. okay. I think that's I think that's most people. I think I think honestly, it's most people. Most people in any capacity, they know that it's for a season. Sometimes that season is a decade. Sometimes it's a year. Sometimes like, that season is your life, and then you die, and then they still have to do stuff right the team still has to go on if you want this to actually leave a legacy Mm -hmm. so we do have to be thinking how do we build things to continue even when i'm not here whether that's 
five months from now or 20 years from now. Mm -hmm. So the way that I handled it was if someone ever came to me and said, oh, my gosh, Lisa, you're so great at X, I immediately pointed it to oh, yeah, that's fine. Or actually, I never dismissed that. I always said, thank you so much. But have you seen what this other leader has done? Connecting people to each other. Yep. So I would, leadership-wise, if someone um, admired something about me, I would give them someone else in the organization who had that quality, but even more, and really point it out to be like, yes, I see what you admire here. Um, But it's not just me. Like, there are other people like this. Because then their admiration went across multiple people. Right. It's like diversifying your portfolio. Mm -hmm. Because between you and that other person now, if one of you... I keep going really dark. But, like, if one of you got hit by a bus, (laughs) there's somebody else for them to be... To admire now when before it was just you. Mm -hmm. Right. So your chances got better. Yeah. And part of that for me is when I go somewhere... I tend to really want to be around people that I respect and admire. Um, And so I knew, like, if you only admire me, I'm going to be the sole person you're trying to hang out with. And I know myself well enough to know that I will let you down over time. Um, And so if I can show you that there are lots of people here who are worth getting to know and who um, you can learn from... That's a huge win. Um, And this is huge. This is called edification, right? Like looking around your organization and edifying other people in the organization, whether that's people that are going to be leading these volunteers or talking to them about uh, fundraising or whatever, or leading them in uh, staff roles. When you edify somebody else, what you're doing is you are increasing the retention for that person because now they have somebody else that they can trust Mm -hmm. besides just you. Yeah. Um, The second big thing that I would do is when I would take the time to get to know someone, um, my end goal with that was never to get to know them so that I would become their main point of contact. Um, My goal was always to get to know people so that I I could do a good job connecting them to another volunteer or another leader or another person. Um, And so I would talk to someone and be like, oh my gosh, you really enjoy taking your kids to a park. That's really awesome. Good to know. Where are you from? Like learn a whole bunch about them and kind of just remember a few key facts. And then if I'd be talking to a different volunteer and they mentioned their kids, I'd be like, oh, do you like to go to parks? And I'd kind of try and figure something out. And then I would find a time to strategically introduce them. Oh my gosh, I have to introduce you to this person. Listen, she loves this. You love this. I think you guys might be You're good both friends. Passionate about your kids. Ask a couple questions, and as they start talking, asking each other questions, slowly back out of the conversation and allow them, like, give them the common ground. Yes. Be the help, hero help of the connection, that. and then walk away and be like, "I did my job." I love that. Be the hero of friend. the connection instead of be the connection. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be you want to be someone who can find those connecting points for people and help them to connect the dots, so that way they don't. Because the the reason most people don't go up and talk to new people is because they feel awkward and they feel like they don't have anything in common. And if you take that thing away <laughs> and you just mm-hmm. say, "Yeah, oh, you both have dogs," like all of a sudden. <laughs> instantly they have something that they have in common it's a way less awkward conversation Mm -hmm. oh you're both business owners oh my gosh you're both uh going to college you know just yeah whatever it can be really really like broad spectrum stuff or it could be really specific stuff oh you went to the same college right so uh those are really really big factors because retention with volunteers I, i know is a big pain point for for uh organizations. Mm -hmm, For sure. Um, The last thing that I did was, well, I'd say there are other things too, but the last big thing that I can think of is I would 
always remind my volunteers that they were more important than me. Hmm. Um, sometimes I've seen nonprofit leaders who want to make sure that their role is safe. Um, and so they guard their role. They're like, no one else can do what I do. I am the best at this. I have to guard my ter- my, my territory. I want people to know that I have to be here. They're reliant on me. Um, and listen, if you're one of those nonprofit leaders, you probably don't even recognize that you're doing it. <laughs> it's like, true. the you know, it's kind of a self-defense mechanism that a lot of nonprofit leaders don't even realize. And if we point it out in someone, we're like, do you realize you're saying this? They're like, I don't do that. I want my leaders to succeed. I want my volunteers to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this point where you know what it is that you do and you can unintentionally say stuff like that <laughs> um so and, one thing and act like that act and, in a way that communicates that yeah. yeah and act in a way that communicates that so with my volunteers i would be very intentional to tell them that what they did was more important than what i did now this only works if you actually believe it <laughs> yeah because if you're lying about this like deep down in your soul you're like yeah right but you clean the toilets everybody knows that's not important right <laughs> but when i was leading and i would just have a phenomenal volunteer i'd be like oh my gosh this person is phenomenal here's what they're doing here's how it matters here's how it works and if they were like well lisa you do this i'd be like uh-uh you don't understand what you do matters so much. If I called in sick and I wasn't able to show up tomorrow, I can guarantee everything here would function just fine. You don't even need me. That's how good you are. Hmm. Um, and that I really did strategically so that if I ever stepped out as a leader. Which you knew eventually you would. There was so much confidence built in that they really didn't need me. Hopefully they liked me. <laughs> but they needed to know that they were not set up for failure if there was a leadership transition. Absolutely. They needed to they needed to know that they could do this, that they were successful at it, and that the organization needed them. Um, they didn't need me. Like, the organization didn't need me. The organization needed them and what they were doing. Um, and I'll be honest, that's it's hard to do. It takes a certain amount of um, being willing to be unneeded. And as people, we want to be needed and we want to be known. Mm-hmm. And so to choose in a situation to say, I'm going to show you that you are needed and in the process admit to myself that what I do, it is important, but I need to kind of take the back seat on this one. Mm-hmm. I didn't like how it felt, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be honest, I did not like how it felt, but I knew it was the better thing. That's really, really good. So we talk a lot about volunteers because we really, uh, we really, really love nonprofit organizations that function on volunteerism. But another big pain point that nonprofits have is funding and retaining donors. Mm-hmm. And so I want to kind of make a little bit of a bridge here between the two because statistically, volunteerism is connected to donors. If you retain your volunteers, you are retaining your donors, yep, which is a big one. A lot of volunteers don't just give their time. They give their finances as well. And so it's really important if you want to grow the finances of your organization, keep and retain your volunteers and do it in a healthy way where you're connecting people to each other, connecting people to the organization, and um, just like having it in mind that at some, at some point, some reason, somehow, you are going to leave the organization and you're going to want their connections with other people in the organization to be so rock solid that they say, why would I ever choose anywhere else Mm -hmm. to serve? We tell our clients on a regular basis, if you want to double your funding for your organization, double the number of volunteers you have. 
um, because the vast majority of your funding is going to come from volunteers. Um, the vast majority of people who are considering giving is going to come from someone who volunteers one time because they want to see if it really is like you say it's going to be. Um, in some organizations that don't have a lot of volunteers, I'd say there are strategic ways that you can create volunteer roles. Um, and that's really important. Part of it is if you know how many volunteers are coming in, how many are leaving, and you have that pulse in your organization, chances are you're going to be able to see those same trends within your financial statements. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times people are like, oh, we need more donors. We need more of this. We need more of that. But it's a lot easier to see the numbers. Well, it's easier to see the dollar figure numbers, but in terms of what when people are leaving and what other issues are going on, um, that's directly related. Because if you have volunteers leaving because things are disorganized, you also have people not giving because they think you're disorganized. Totally. So whatever issues you're seeing on a volunteer level is what's happening on a donor level. The nice thing about volunteers is you have the relationship in place to be able to call and ask what's going on. <laughs> um, yeah, to actually be able to do a little bit of research and figure out what's actually right. happening. Right. It's a lot more awkward to call a donor and say, hey, you gave $500 two years ago, but you haven't given any more. What's, yeah. What's wrong? Why? What's going on? <laughs> so let's talk about retaining donors. Let's, let's assume that um, they're not volunteering but they're giving to your organization. Okay. How do you retain donors in a healthy way? Um, regular, I mean, it's the same thing as the volunteerism. <laughs> it's creating the community through communication. Um, and even if they aren't I like that. Having, they might not be like meeting or talking with other donors, but you're creating community through communication. Yeah, I have one nonprofit in particular that I really like who I've never met anyone from the nonprofit. You've but, never met another donor. You never met the any of the leaders or anything no i right. i met one other donor um but i've she introduced me to it but the communication that they send out makes me feel like i'm a part of not just like the cause but i'm a part of the community of people that are involved um when i get a letter from them i literally feel like i'm getting a letter from a friend after wow. the first time i donated i got a handwritten thank you note and this organization raises tons. Like, I don't even know how much. I've lost track because every year it grows. Um, but hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars a year. And I gave a $25 gift to just kind of test it out. And I got a handwritten thank you note from someone in my state. Wow. It was very specific. Um, and... But every bit of communication that they put out, they're constantly sharing the numbers. They're constantly sharing the wins. But they're doing it in a way that makes me feel like they're not just trying to prove that it's good to give to them. But it's this, we have this huge community all across the nation. And you're all coming together and you're all a part of this. And um, basically what I'm trying to say is like, you don't have to know each of your donors in order for them to feel like they are connected to you. That's good. But it takes intentionality, and it's not easy. And I, and I think, too, what you said is really important with this, this specific organization is that they, they make you feel like you're connected to the other donors mm -hmm. in saying, like, look what we all accomplished together. You, all of the donors together were able to do this. So even though you're not physically rubbing elbows with the other donors, you are in a big, like, army that's changing the world together and you recognize that your part's important and their part's important and if you ever randomly meet someone 
at a Taco Bell and it somehow comes up that you both give to this organization, you're immediately going to have a connection yeah. that is really, really My strong. assumption is if I ran into someone who also gave this organization, we're going to be friends. Like, that's just how, like, the gut feeling I have from that's, this organization. And that is, that's a thing. We get a lot, we see a lot from a lot of different organizations and... That is incredibly which, unique. Which organization is it, in case anybody wants to do a little bit of like research? And yeah, it's Hope International. They are fantastic. Love Hope fantastic. International. They're very smart. The way that they do their communications is so, so good. We all have a lot that we could learn from the way that they do things. Mm-hmm. It's true. <clears throat> so what else would you add to the whole donor re- retention? Donor retention, a, a big thing is to remember that people are putting a very uh, numerical value to what you're doing. So you need to be able to provide numerical value back to them. Yes. Speak their language <laughs> and understand yes. that you gave me $20.52, right? So I need to show you that we raised this amount, dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you have to actually show those numbers and you have to do it in a way that is responsible and uh transparent because if they aren't seeing exactly where their dollars are going uh well if they're not seeing where their cents are going they're not gonna understand where their dollars are going they're not they're gonna trust where their dollars are going right yeah this is a really really important thing don't give rounded numbers i <laughs> like, love that if be people don't specific. know where their pennies are going they don't trust where their dollars are going and that's uh specificity is huge with retention of donors being able to show them specifically what you accomplished the efficacy of your organization is huge if you are very very effective at what you promised that you are going to do with their money they're going to keep throwing money at you because mm-hmm. they know that I'm getting $10 of world change whenever I put $1 in. This is amazing. This is incredible. Honestly, it's one of the things that we like about Hope International. They like do a really good job yeah. of showing that, hey, you put a dollar in, here's like all this value that the world is getting just because you put $1 in. It's mm-hmm. like, holy cow, this is a great investment. And part of how you word this is really important because depending on the cause, it's not always this huge number. You give $20, we help 100,000 families. Like maybe it's you give $20 and it contributes toward one person going through one program for the next nine months, but you with 20 other people made it happen or whatever it is. Yeah, the scope um, uh, isn't always the most important thing, the size, but the amount of detail is. Yes, um, because when I have someone talk to me about a nonprofit, so if any of you, if you all ever reach out, just have this answer prepped, please. <laughs> um, but I'll ask sometimes, I'd be like, if I give you $100 to your organization, what does it do? If someone cannot give me that answer. They're not going to get a donation. They're not going to get a donation. They need to know. Yeah, but know. like we have some friends of ours. So I'm like, if I give you $100, what do what does it do? They're like, oh, $100 would go toward this thing that costs almost $10,000. And that's going to make it so that it helps this many people in this village. And it's going to help this many kids do this. And the next generation is going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, like, all right, okay, I I can work those numbers backwards. (laughs) I can figure that out. Um, But if I ask, what does $100 do? And they're like, well, it helps us keep running. I'm like, okay. What does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? Like, tell me. Um, But you need to look at this. You need to look at your communication through the eyes of your donor who does not have the heart that you have, 
has the potential to grow the heart that you have. Right. I would also say regular communication. People forget about what's not in front of them, mm-hmm. but make sure that your regular communication is something that brings them value, like some entertainment <laughs> value, just like a, uh, a good thing that brings them informational value. Yes. Um, you don't want to be making an ask every sing- single time that they hear from you. You want to be probably showing them what they've accomplished. Mm-hmm. Three out of four times yeah. and asking them for something one out of four times. <laughs> Maybe one out of four times. Yeah, I'd Maybe. say that might be a little high. I won't say the name of the organization, but there's another organization that we get letters from. So to be clear, we get stuff from a lot of organizations because I follow <laughs> this. Um, but there's another one who every time I see an envelope from them, I'm like, oh, they want my money again. Every <laughs> single time. And, and you guys probably get envelopes like that, too. Yeah. There was one time where they didn't, and it was so startling to me, I had to tell Ted. Like, I was like, what's happening? Uh, (laughs) But those are the kinds of things that we need to be aware of in really providing value in what you're sharing with people. Um, Showing them the impact that they're making, showing them the impact that's happening with them because of what they're doing, but also what's happening without them. And I don't mean that in a mean way, not like a you missed out, but... Months where we haven't contributed to an organization and they still send a little thing and they're like, oh my gosh, this month our donors made it so that we could do X, Y, and Z. It makes me still celebrate with the people who were able to contribute that month or who chose to. And it, or, and it makes us have a little bit of FOMO. Like, yeah, we have a little bit of uh, like... Dang it, I kind of oh, wish I could have helped with that. We didn't do that one. Why didn't right. we do it? What, what's the next project you're working on? Because I don't want to feel that way again. Right. Um, but it's never done in a way that is rubbing it in our face. Like, remember how you gave the first time and you didn't give the second time? Well, look what we did without look you. Look at how many orphans died. Like, because of you. Stop. <laughs> you are so dark today. I don't know what's going on. But it really is creating that communication and that sense of community. And part of it, think about it if you are an in-person, volunteer-based organization. If someone has a family issue and they're out for a month and then they come back to volunteer, you're not like, where were you? I can't believe you weren't here. Do you know how much we did when you were gone? <laughs> The same thing is true for your donors. You need to be willing to have a conversation with them in which you still celebrate the part, the fact that they are a part of it because they ever were a part of it. If That's anyone good. has given money in the past, they are still a part of what's happening today because they helped lay some of the foundation for you to continue to be able to grow. And you don't want to forget that. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersINTL.com. 